0: Well, we were fine, but we weren't like financially stable for some of my childhood. And so my mom and my dad, you know, eventually got quote-unquote real jobs.
1: How does the love get in? What follows is a series of conversations about STEM education and developing communities of care in the hopes of developing a more human-centered science. It should be noted at the start, there are some descriptions of battlefield scenes that might be disturbing to some listeners. It's March 2023, and against the backdrop of the Ukraine war and the hundreds of other news items fixating us on our digital feeds... I traveled out to the University of Massachusetts in Amherst to meet with Professor Steve Fernandez and some of his graduating engineering students. And for further context, I arrived there just after a recruiting event in which Raytheon, the defense contractor, had come to UMass for a career fair and had met with some protests from the students protesting a 40-year partnership between Raytheon and UMass. And this led to a discussion about how and why students are encouraged to go into what might be called destructive technologies, and how and why we get a more human-centered curriculum into the STEM fields. Here's Professor Steve Fernandez.
2: I was working on a project with Engineers Without Borders. It was uh, electrification, solar electrification uh, project for um, a school in rural Gujarat. I was working with some students, um, one was a student of African origin, I think he was from Ghana, and another one was just white American student from South Jersey, and they were great kids, and I was working with them, and they were very committed to trying to work on this project, but they were also involved with this program which they have at Rowan University, which is military engineering. had them doing some work internship with Lockheed Martin. And the work semester ended and they went to do their project work on missiles. And it was that summer that I heard that the, um, a missile hit a school bus and killed 40 children. And I heard interviews with the parents talking about looking for the fragments of their ch- kids among the remains and trying to get as many of the body parts and fragments of flesh and so forth from their kids, from that school bus. And I couldn't help thinking like, what role did my students, these like really awesome people who I loved, what role did they play in it? And even if they didn't play any particular role in this specific missile, because it was a Lockheed Martin missile, they played a role in facilitating Lockheed Martin doing its business operations instead of preventing it from operating And it disturbed me.
1: The bombing that Steve's referring to there was in Yemen in 2018 when 40 children had been killed by a Saudi-led coalition airstrike. And they dropped a 500-pound bomb on a school bus in northern Yemen. And that bomb was indeed made by Lockheed Martin, the world's largest weapons manufacturer and they had sold the precision-guided munition to Saudi Arabia a year prior in a $110 billion arms deal brokered under former President Donald Trump. Yeah. So, that's why I took first uh, mm-hmm. to get a degree.
3: Because I, see. That said, I see. I see. You will never escape poverty unless you do what you're asked to do. My name's Leo.
4: I am a junior mechanical engineering student at UMass. I guess I'm here because I protest with UMass dissenters pretty frequently or attend as many protests and meetings as I can given engineering workload. I guess maybe I can start with what UMass dissenters is a little bit. Divesting UMass from war profiteers is is like the main goal of UMass dissenters. And I guess that starts our main or first goal is to uh, try to get Raytheon out of UMass.
1: Raytheon originated in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and was long centered in Lexington. Though they've since moved to Arlington, Virginia in 2022, they remain one of the, the Commonwealth's primary employers. It's understandable that they recruit the best and the brightest from our elite institutions such as UMass Amherst. We asked Leo what is it that would make a graduating or upper-class engineering student want to go to work for an arms manufacturer getting most of its money from the U.S. government rather than a more human-centered or, for lack of a better phrase, make the world a better place type of science?
4: To a lot of engineers, or I guess there's not many engineers in, that, in UMass centers, uh, which I guess tells you how... It maybe tells you how, not necessarily blind, but not, not seeing and not knowing how much war and destruction affects people because we don't see the direct effects right in the United States. I found it kind of shocking that there weren't many engineers there because Raytheon is like always trying to recruit people. It always very frequently at engineering career fairs. I guess I'm kind of nervous too because I don't know many engineers and dissenters and it feels kind of weird to be an engineer or a mechanical engineer that is protesting against what a lot of students are like, oh, this is a great way to make money and make a living. So. so,
1: good salaries, benefit package, loan repayment. What's not to like, as my father used to say? Work in Massachusetts for an established arms manufacturer. This is, these are powerful motivations for students to take these jobs, right? Why not? Question mark. But let's go to the day in question. Raytheon comes uh, as a job recruiting fair, career fair, and we spoke with one of the students, an international engineering student named Sid, who also works at the Career Center.
5: So I do work at the career center as well, actually. So I was not there because it's my shift's are Tuesdays, Wednesdays. So I'm, I wasn't there on the day where the protest happened. But the next day was my shift, and then we, were, we came to the office, and then I got strict instructions not to talk to anybody here asking for any comment about Raytheon. If uh, there is a person who wants to talk about it, and if our associate and, you know, the director of the uh, uh, Career Center wasn't there. Uh, you should redirect them to the dean's office. At, uh, dean's office, and no other comments from your side and anything. But informally in the office when we were talking about this, I completely understand why the protesters did that, and I do not agree with the fact that our director, who I know and she's a very sweet person, called the police on the students. And uh, by that entire situation, like it could have been handled much better. But I do feel like there are pressures that the team you know, the team that's handling the relationship with the organization, with Raytheon, is facing from the university at a level where you're getting pressured that, oh, you need to show. Because Raytheon does offer a lot of co-ops, a lot of internships, good job offers. And the best part of it is that it doesn't take a technical interview. So for a computer engineer or for an electrical or even a mechanical one, that's not hoping for that's hoping for a job and not hoping for an OA, which is a coding assessment and stuff like that. If you're getting one, that pays very well. It's very tough to deter them from it, even if you do know the aspects that what that company does, what it's done so far, how big of a war profiteer it is. When you're given the pros and cons of a very siloed degree that we are pursuing. As engineers, we are very siloed in our own tech world, I would say, where our own interactions with students for even the four years that we are on campus pursuing our degree is almost entirely limited to fellow engineers going through the same trials and tribulations that you are. It becomes very tough for, you, for us to distinguish what's good and not good in a situation where your livelihood for the next five years might come from.
1: So we asked the students what, if any, ethical or humanistic or love-centered instruction they'd received in their four years at the university. Here's Brady.
3: Well, none. <laughs> they, they they call it ethical training. It's not. It's not that. That's it, you can't like you can't teach people ethics if you're not teaching them what they're designing something for. You can't teach people how to design something if, if it's in a vat. Like the, the, the whole Western understanding of science is that if we, like Occam's razor, if we just like trim, trim away everything, then we'll come out with a clean result. That, that doesn't work. It has never worked and that's why in 200 years everything seems to be failing as rapidly as it is because it doesn't work. The system is failing.
1: And here I am talking to Kitty, a graduating senior in mechanical and environmental engineering.
0: I think that going back a little bit before college, my my mom did a, her master's thesis on, it was called the conventions of morality, and she... Looked at how do you? She she wanted to do early childhood education, and she wanted to figure out how do you create, how do you nurture a child into being a moral being? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Mm. And so, whenever I'd come home from school and be like, meow, meow, meow. some kid was, some kid was being mean, or some kid like threw something on the floor and made a huge mess, and it was a pain in my butt, mom," she'd be like, "Well." Their mama still loves them. And like, blah, blah, Not everyone has a mom. Not everyone has a loving mom. Whatever. It got the idea into my head that, oh, everyone is worthy of some kind of love from someone. Mm-hmm. And so that was always ingrained in me. But the academic system, K through 12 and beyond, didn't, in this country or in, the, in my experience, did not nurture that thought at mm-hmm. all. That it was just about getting the work done and the next thing that was going to come.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I liter- I almost started crying earlier when I was thinking about this because I think the first time that I felt it again was when, oh, when I went to Steve's office and I told Steve about this project and Steve gave me all about love by bell hooks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's someone else that believes in this as like a fundamental truth about human beings and Mm. about how we can move forward Mm. to create a better world. So Mm. that was the first time.
1: So that was Brady and Kitty talking about the lack of ethical or moral education in their STEM experiences. And we went back to Sid and to talk about values in another way, because Raytheon's visit had brought this to the fore. This is Mark again, I mean, is there anyone on campus, or is Raytheon presenting themselves in a way that they are, they do have values? Or is it all, all, to the student perspective, is it all about money and a good job to pay off your debt? So in other words, do I support America's values in the world? Yes right? I mean, do I support female empowerment? I was saying to Miles on the way here, I think women should take over, right? Do I support LGBTQ values? Do I support the expanding of human rights, which is really what America says it's about, right? So in other words, the, the complexity to me is, Raytheon, can Raytheon come back, or does anyone come back from Raytheon and say, well, we're protecting American values? I don't know if anyone wants to speak to that.
5: That, that's a very uh, this is said by the way, that's a very uh, apt point to put across. If you were there during that demonstration, you would have seen that they had a slide deck that shows what our company's values are, company's mission statement is and all those and you'll see those and those are the you know they like I feel like all of the organizations just copy paste them every time we want a cohesive environment, we have a very inclusive environment and all of those. So they do put across that point and we have students, alums coming back and saying, oh, we love working there and everything when they're trying to recruit us or take our resumes. So in those matters, it does. But like the reality of it is quite starkly different than what they're pitching themselves to be.
1: So Raytheon arrives, UMass dissenters and other students protest. Some people in the administration call the police, and the matter becomes not a discussion, but kind of finger pointing, and no one's really talking about the issues. The administration, in fact, says some things that distort the reality. Here's Professor Fernandez again.
2: And some 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 of the administrators here in the colleges. Well, it's just a bunch of white boys who are um, in U.S. centers and white middle-class boys, and. You know, they don't really, and they're not engineers, they're like um, Stepik, social thought and political economy. Yeah. And, um, and I went to the um, meeting and I saw a diverse group of, of people with actually like a lot of non-binary students, female students, multi-racial students, students of, of, of many different races, ethnicities. And particularly when I was talking with some students, they mentioned that at that activity, there was some mention of, I have a dream. And I find that very offensive. Uh, and, and so I'm not sure if you know any of you all know about that, but like a offensive one, you take Martin Luther King, who said, and I, I mentioned here, and people gave me administration and other folk in the cause gave me pushback, tri- the triple evils: it's um, racism, poverty, and militarism. And now the military is saying. We're going to christen like this Martin Luther King, you know, bomber or, you know, naval carrier or like this. Martin Luther King, I have a dream, Raytheon event, and I find that very offensive.
1: So I'd gone to UMass to discuss kind of human-centered, love-centered curriculum in the sciences. And I began to wonder if the administration actually supports, if they even hear the concerns of the students. And here's Leo again about the administration's response after the career fair with Raytheon, protests by the students, and the police visit. And have you had the ear of the administration at all? Have they listened to you?
4: I don't know if they've, they've they haven't yet responded in ways that are productive to us, but they, they are seeing and we are getting one of the initial goals of uh, dissenters last semester was to get Raytheon out of Eisenberg because, and we had a protest in the Eisenberg Learning Hub, I guess it is.
1: Eisenberg is the business school.
4: That's right. We were able to, I think it was the I'm not sure if it's the dean of Eisenberg. Called her name and asked for her, and apparently she wasn't in the office. But I think other staff in that, in that administrative area that we were, that, where we held the protest, um, I think we're pretty, we're pretty moved by what we did. Not, not necessarily like, a, wow, you guys are right, but like, a, like, oh, shit, they know what they're doing. That we know the facts. We know that Raytheon's had a partnership with UMass Rovers. There's a lot of mutual benefits that both Raytheon and UMass get from having that partnership and also we recently had a a protest with a recruiting event for engineers we got an email from the new dean of engineering here saying like it was a pretty i'm not gonna lie it was a pretty it was a pretty not well thought out email from him it was pretty short it was like hey like i want to talk with you guys uh just one-on-one kind of thing a tactic for like removing some of the power of having being of uh, big groups and trying to get like oh just one-on-one conversations is where we can kind of like um, the administration can kind of gain the upper hand there. So,
1: We met with a lot of students that March day. And all of us were joined by the idea of integrating human-centered values, ethical values, love-centered values into STEM curriculum. The visit from Raytheon, the protest, the police visit, the administration response... All of that made for some interesting ways to lead into a discussion about what are we going to do to create a science that's sustainable, that's not destructive, and not war profiteering.
0: Hi, I'm Ella. I would introduce myself by saying that I'm a sister, a daughter, a um, a partner, and um, a community organizer, and also a civil engineering student. Uh, I got interested in civil engineering because I wanted to envision like more equitable and vibrant and healthier cities. And I wanted the technical education to be able to implement those things.
5: Sustainability. My honest thesis actually is about a mobile air quality sensor. Uh, I'm, I'm from Delhi in uh, India. It's the third, well, yeah, it was the second. It's now the third most polluted city in the world. Uh, The most polluted locality, geographical location for 3,000, no, yeah, 3,000 people is 20 minutes from my house. Air quality was something that I was quite interested in, like, since sophomore year, once I did my internship back in Delhi, and I translated that into something I want to do going forward as well. So sustainability, embedded systems, like air quality sensors, water quality sensors, pressure gauges, force sensors, and all of those, they're they're a big field to get into now.
1: Scientism, which has dominated uh, and has risen through Eurocentric cultures, has in mere 200 years brought us to the brink of extinction. And so this is an interesting discussion in, in the wake of Raytheon's visit here because Raytheon as recruiting our students to uh, build uh, w- war machines, basically. Uh, machines and, and technology meant to kill large amounts of people. And it's a good example of what Western science has, has in part brought about. Right. So uh, my question to you all is, what do we need to do to integrate a more uh, humanistic approach to the sciences? Where I think we've talked last time about you know, what your plans are, you know what do we need to do to center love in stem education
3: well right now i'm looking for a job yeah i'm going to get a job <laughs> it's super exciting <laughs> super novel but i'm my my hope and my plan is to get an environmental consulting job and while i'm there keep working to try to figure out how To make a cooperative happen, a worker cooperative. Mm.
1: Of the students I met that day, all were trying to find a way into quote unquote real life that didn't involve working for a war profiteer like Raytheon or Lockheed Martin. And all of us Ella, Kitty, Brady, Leo, Sidhan were joined by having been in Steve Fernandez's class, Service Learning and Engineering the class that tries to center love and human-centered thinking in the sciences. Here's Professor Fernandez again.
2: Among the like thoughts that are flowing through my head is this notion of... Um, and what comes to my mind is humanization. One of the uh, things I spoke to some of the UMass dissenters about with respect to that demonstration at the career Center where they call the police is we can't dehumanize people. The people who are from Raytheon are human beings and they, they, there's a path that led them to be where they are. And we can't think of them as evil. We have to view them as al- allies, like as people who that could be us if we had taken different paths and how do we maybe work with them to get out of that path? So I think we need to be conscious of everybody who we interact with. Even people who we very much disagree with are human beings.
0: Hi, I'm Kitty Lovell. I'm a senior civil and environmental engineering major at UMass and this is my final semester. And I'm here because I came to Steve with an idea about a year ago for a senior thesis on building community in an academic engineering setting. After putting together the engineering the first annual engineering formal at UMass Amherst, that sold out in a few weeks and was a huge success. I realized that we need this kind of community building. So I met with Steve and talked to him, and he's guided me, and we've guided each other towards a project of building a community of love and engineering, full of activities and initiatives. And part of part of that is is putting together this podcast. I think. And is yeah. that
1: a club or are you just an event? You did a formal, but
0: bo- no, it was through Engineers Without Borders. Actually, I'm the president of Engineers Without Borders. And Engineers Without Borders. Yeah, we got a bunch of other RSOs resident registered student organizations together to co-host the event and split the profits and help advertise, so.
1: I see. Kitty spoke about building community through Engineers Without Borders and Brady spoke about the Philosophy and Open Mind Club.
3: I think a big Influence. Um, as a freshman, I joined Philosophy and Open Thought Club, and now I'm the president. I've done it all four years, done it every single week since I've been here. That's really liberated me, getting all those thoughts in my head.
1: Philosophy and Open Thought. Give me an example yeah. of a reading that you do.
3: Um, I, I mean, we've actually had whole discussions about love. I <laughs> gave a talk about love. Um, it was actually after I had a breakup, so I was like, <laughs> 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 I was like is love real? And then everyone was like, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, hmm, but maybe not. And then <laughs> but I was able to show up there to that space, and we were all able to talk about it, and they embraced me with open arms and still do. And uh-huh. Yeah, we, we talk about everything. This week's talk is actually a debate about if a global revolution is possible. Uh-huh. So everyone comes with their own perspectives. We have Christians, we have elder people in the community we have i'm like the president quote-unquote but everyone is welcome to help Mm -hmm. um we have an advisor a community member she's our spiritual advisor that like the desire to be free and search for your moral intrinsic values in the world does not go away it just gets covered up
1: So our graduating seniors did have some ideas about a love-centered science. Engineers Without Borders, Philosophy and Open Thought Club, UMass dissenters, science projects meant to help people. It was heartening to listen to our students, and I think a fitting ending for this session of our podcast, to listen to Professor Fernandez read a Native American poem by John Trudell.
2: We see your technological society devour you before your very eyes. We hear your anguished cries exulting greed through progress while you seek material advances. The sounds of flowers dying carry messages to the winds trying to tell you about balance and your safety. So I hear that. The climate crisis is around us and it's giving us here in the College of Engineering messages and we're blinded by this technological greed. Mm-hmm. where it's, do engineering for business to make money. Close your ears to the sounds of the flowers dying. Mm-hmm. Your ch- your, and he goes on, but your minds are changed to your machines and the strings dangling from your puppeteer's hands, turning you, twisting you into forms and confusions beyond your control. Your mind for a job, your mind for a TV, your mind for a hairdryer, your mind for consumption. With your atom bombs, your material bombs, your drug bombs, your racial bombs... Your classist bombs, your sexist bombs, your ageist bombs, devastating your natural structures, making you homeless on earth, carrying illusions, fooling you, making you pretend you can run away from the ravaging of your spirit. So I, that speaks to me. That's exactly, mm-hmm. exactly what, what's happening. But no, I th- so I, I, I see this is what Brady, Kitty, and I are trying to... <laughs> change here in the College of, of Engineering with these activities for developing, creating community, creating a community of care, creating a community of love, and trying to center love as what we do in engineering so that we, we start off from love and from a love of humans, animals, the environment. That's where we go into do the engineering, not based on money, clients, or stakeholders, but based on love.
1: This discussion took place in the offices of the College of Engineering at UMass Amherst in March 2023. Our student panel was Ella Prabhakar, Brady Bell, Kitty Lovell, Leo Norbon, and Sinhanth Ngo. Editorial assistance was provided by Rafael Borgos Mirabal and Sarah Brunel. The conversation was led by Professor Steve Fernandez and Dr. Mark Wagner. Thank you for listening.